0: Hi everybody! Welcome to Discover College Soccer today. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Chris from Johnson and Wales up in Rhode Island. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for being here. I, I was, I'm getting ready to go up to Greensboro for the ECNLR Regionals, and I was like, I wonder if it's the Johnson and Wales in Charlotte, but no, you, you, you are up in Rhode Island. I think. Uh, we won't tell the Charlotte guys, you're probably the bigger, better program, right? But, uh,
1: <laughs> well, it's but, funny because we had four program, we had four campuses. Oh, pre- wow. Pre COVID, uh, Denver and North Miami, and, and they were closed coming out of COVID. But quite often I get emails, um, confirming games. And I'm like, uh, I'm in Rhode Island. Not, I'm not Charlotte. I get invited <laughs> to go to clinics in North Carolina all the time. And I'm like, I'm in Rhode Island. I'd love to come down <laughs> to North Carolina, but I'm not in Charlotte. So, <laughs> uh, it's all good.
0: Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll, talk about Rhode Island. Uh, but right now we are, uh, hmm. you and I are talking here. It's June 14th. Uh, I mean, for a lot of division one and two folks, they're probably getting ready to, to dial up their fingers, starting tomorrow for, for their other class. But, but, you guys have the uh fortunate uh spot to to be able to talk to folks whenever so in terms of your recruiting calendar um i'm assuming your your 23s are you're done and dusted and you're working hard on 24s but about how far out are you looking what does your normal recruiting calendar look like
1: yeah i mean it's definitely a little bit different for us at the division 3 level and and i have coached at division 1 division 2 and and remember the days i used to tell people that uh kids would know where they're going to school before they get their driver's license, you know, and, and uh, for us, it's a little bit more delayed, but at the same time, you know, we've certainly completed our 23s, 24 already have a commit. Typically um, our, our incoming, I mean, our recruits want to know where they're going before the fall of their senior year. Most of the kids we recruit are in a seven to 10 hour radius. And a lot of them have a fall um, high school soccer season. And it just be crazy to try to, continue to do visits and and things like that in the fall so so our timetable is really a lot of visits in spring um junior year and even continuing into this into this month we've had a a lot after the memorial day tournaments that we went to and, and so um but yeah by uh september things are usually starting to take shape and every once in a while you get a a straggler or someone who's changed their mind or was holding out hopes, thinking that they truly were a division one or a division two player. And then as those schools, you know, ultimately let them know that they weren't going to be in the mix anymore, then, uh, then they might circle back and, and, and reach out. So every, every year we probably get a kid in February, March, April of their senior year saying, Oh, I wanted to go to, I wanted to go South. Like we have a kid this year. I wanted to go. She wanted to go South. Florida, 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 looking at schools, talking to schools and then, you know, hey, I'm not going south anymore. I've decided it's too far away. So uh, that's kind of our process. Okay, makes a lot of sense. Well, you mentioned Memorial Day tournaments
0: just overall throughout the year. Kind of what what events are on your your hit list
1: where do you'd like to go uh, to watch players? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly changing. I mean, there's just so many opportunities these days. It's like you got to pick and choose. But just for an example of the past six months um, was at the Florida DPL event, the Florida ECNL regional event, the Florida ECNL event, Arizona Del Sol in February, Jefferson Cup in March, um, some of the local tournaments, NEFC and and, uh, the Scorpions run up here in, in Massachusetts area. And then uh, Memorial Day weekend was at PDA uh, for a day. And then FC Delco in Pennsylvania for a day. Um, Some of these tournaments have become such a sprawl um, that it's it's no longer efficient to go to some of these events because of just how much time you spend in your car, to be perfectly honest with you. And that's a little bit frustrating. It used to be nice. There were some events where one-stop shopping, park the car, get out, have 10 to 15 fields and spend the day. And now I feel like it's just a rat race because these tournaments are enormous.
0: Well, although you mentioned a couple near me that are that are pretty good
1: locations, there uh, Tampa and Bradenton here. So, uh, but yeah, it's beautiful and and we had the best <clears throat> weather ever. I think it's the first time I've ever never even gone to the jacket for like six days. Like I've I've been in Florida in my winter coat and the and uh, you know when a northern school is wearing a winter coat, it's not a uh, not ideal. <laughs>
0: Well, I always tell people, fifty down here feels different than fifty up north. But anyway, yes. Yes. Uh, what? So when you're going to these events, at, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, well, I want to be seen, you know, this, that, and the other. But in reality, though, what's the mix? Would you say of <clears throat> players that you're going to see in an event because you've had contact with them or their coaches, or or you know that player versus? you know, uh, a happy coincidence that you're going to get seen watching a game.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, for me, it's like you evaluate the emails and the correspondence that you did get and then see if it makes sense in comparison to the games that you think are going to be more beneficial. So, you know, honestly, it's it's probably like 60-40, um, 60 being games that I'm just going to go to because I know that that's a past, we have a past history with kids from that club or coaches in that club. And then, and then it's a matter of, you know, like I said, evaluating of those 40%, the, the emails that came in is it, is, it does it make sense to go watch and, and, you know, and then also like, what is the grad year for us? Um, you know, I really, I've gotten to the point where if I like a kid who's a grad, a grad year ahead of the cycle, more often than not, they're probably going D2 or D1. Um, and and so we definitely kind of weigh weigh that as well because you know sometimes we'll get twenty percent of our emails will be for a whole grad year out in, in advance of what we're really looking at. Okay, that makes sense. Well,
0: <clears throat> what about camps? Do you guys do your own ID camps? Do your staff work other camps? Are they a, is that a part of your recruiting mix at all?
1: Yeah, he certainly, um, so we try to hold an ID clinic, a one day event, like every three months. Uh, we, we, didn't this year in may just because of the timing of some of the other events that were being held. Um, but we had an indoor event in February where we had about 40 kids. We don't, we're not looking to blow it out and have a hundred, you know, we really like to try to keep it a good controlled environment where there's a good ratio of my staff to, to the, to the players, um and then i certainly work multiple events in the summer um we i co-host uh an event with uh with a couple other colleges in connecticut that's it's a good a good two day event and there's like five or six division 3 schools involved and then we invite um other coaches in to come and observe and things like that so it's kind of a variety you know some is uh, a lot of one day a lot of one day events nowadays you know what i mean and then it's a matter of you know once again it comes back to what's the quality like and then you know which events are typically good because everybody's doing id clinics now you know what i mean and there's so many companies that are running id clinics that you know and and you don't even know sometimes who's attending until a day or two before so then you're making a last minute decision because all of a sudden you found out there's actually 10 to 15 kids at this one versus that one that um are uh, are are worth going to see yeah yeah
0: well it whether it's at a camp clinic tournament wherever you're you're watching games and evaluating players what's your your hierarchy of things that you're looking for in a player whether that's on the field stuff or off the field stuff
1: yeah i mean certainly i think just a good solid base technically um uh, speed of play is is critical uh we have a number of players on in our program that you know due to their their club situation was one thing their high school situation was another and and i love i love that when they're playing center mid like i got a i have a great defender who was center mid for her high school team but a center back for her club team and now she plays outside back for us so i really always say that it's just a matter of the soccer player first like what's you know what's what's their versatility like what's their first touch how's their technical ability speed of play um athleticism you know and then uh and then, you know, obviously, that's just kind of like what piques your interest. And then you got to start to dig deeper in terms of the academic profile, character and background and, and things like that. And so it's kind of uh, the the initial is, do they have the ability to play the game, in, in my opinion, at the level that we're looking to try to play and, the, and then go from there?
0: OK, well, let's talk a little bit more about the school. Uh, as you mentioned, it used to be four campuses. Now it's two. It's. Uh, you know, I think there's some people maybe heard the name Johnson of Wales, but, you know, you, you've you been there a few years, so you get some good perspective for us. So what do you like most about
1: the school? What are some great things about it that maybe we wouldn't learn just by going through the website? I think the biggest misconception is that it's a culinary school. Um, and I think obviously that that's, you know, uh, the history of it and and the notoriety of it is that, but it we actually are down to a situation where I think it's like roughly 25% of the um students are culinary uh we have a variety of majors which is great because um you know we have we have kids who you know come in thinking they want something and then they can bounce to something else or add a minor um so we just have everyone always asks what's what's your popular majors and and we really have probably across a roster of roughly 30 we probably have 10 10 different majors across the roster um which is which is nice and and uh Health science is a big one for us. And then we do have a lot of, we do have a lot that are involved with culinary, but culinary is such a a diverse academic area that I think people don't realize that I had someone who just graduated in December was nutrition based. And so she works for the Boston Celtics in, in, in their kitchen. And I have a former grad who works for the New York Giants football team in, in their kitchen doing meal prep and helping the athletes stay on track. And then I have culinary that's running restaurant and culinary that's running a bakery (laughs) you know what I mean and so but we just have uh we have a lot of different majors the uh the athletic facilities are really nice we have a split campus so that um some of the academics are right in in the city of Providence which has got tons of things to do um you know just you can go to the theater you can go to a concert there's five other colleges in the immediate area so it's a very young and kind of uh thriving uh city that's manageable. Um and then our our athletic facilities are on Narragansett Bay. So we're literally a hundred yards away from the ocean. And so, you know, during preseason, we're on the field and there's sailboats out and and uh a lot of activity out on the water. So it's just the kind of a it's kind of a neat dynamic to have both of those settings for the students. Um, and, And you can live down city we call it or you can live on the harborside campus as well so you have a variety of dorming situations as well
0: oh that's cool yeah it's rhode island's one of those one of the few states i haven't visited yet i gotta get up okay. there and, and check it out uh, <laughs> yeah well you, you mentioned the academics and and obviously johnson will's so well known for its culinary programs but but just overall in terms of academics you know a lot of times that's a big transition trying to balance your studies with playing a, a college sport. So specifically, how do your students really balance the the pull between the two? And what kind of support systems does the school offer to help students be successful in both?
1: Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, one of the things that we do focus on is trying to uh, recruit the, the best academic students that we can. Um, it's kind of twofold. One is that, in my experience through the years, those who thrive in the classroom Typically, have a little more sense of responsibility and 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 want to continue that academic quality, um, and it also translates out onto the field. So um, it also helps with financial aid. As a Division three school, we we give really strong academic merit um, scholarships. So that's that's a big part to to help keep things somewhat affordable in the high cost of college education. But uh, you know, academically, the interesting thing for us. And it continues to hold true even this year. We had a 3.84 GPA in season and a 3.56 in the spring. Um, and I think that the structure that's provided by being a fall student athlete when you come in is fantastic for our for our new students, and they just kind of fall in line with the upperclassmen. And uh, you don't obviously get a 3.84 if 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 the team as a whole isn't um, dialed in academically as well. So, you know, if if we target um, a class or two or something that might not be, um, where the student wants, then we have tutoring and, and, and other academic support areas. So, you know, it's really, I mean, that's the goal. That's the, that's the, you know, the reason they're they're there is to get a good education and stay on track so that they can ultimately have whatever they, you know, want to do in the future as an option. And so, you know, this spring I wrote graduate, you know, recommendations for like six of my seniors and, uh, Three of them are going to graduate school right away. A couple of them are taking a year off and then going to get some get some more experience and then go to graduate school in 2024. So I think that that's that's about that's common. Uh, Roughly 30 to 40 percent of our graduates are, you know, going into a graduate study um, pretty quickly. So,
0: okay, well, let's either rewind or fast forward, whichever you prefer, but go into a fall season. Can you walk me through what a typical schedule would look like in in an average week in terms of, you know, winter classes, uh, the games, practice, meals, all that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, sure. So most of our students are in class, depending on if, you know, their early risers, they could be in class as early as eight. Um, Some of our culinary labs are actually start at 7 a.m. and go till 1 p.m but the, the normal academic for us is like in the eight to two thirty three o'clock range, roughly. Um, we actually have a four day academic week. So it's, it's great. No classes on Friday. Um, so Monday, you know, in class, maybe eight to two, let's say get out of class. We usually lift on Monday and Thursday at roughly three thirty. 30. Um, we have a, a varsity weight room. That's 100 feet 100 yards away from the soccer field so we'll we'll lift pre-practice and then go over to the field and our training sessions are usually in the four to 6 30 range um and then depending on what we're trying to accomplish we'll dictate the length of that session um so then post-practice it's a matter of uh are you going to the training room or are you just going to the dining hall and then you know and then where do you do your academics whether it's in the in the library or in your room or, you know, another place on campus. So that's, that's a typical, you know, Monday, Tuesday is usually a pregame practice, you know, once again, roughly four to six thirty in that range somewhere. Um, and we typically play Wednesday, Saturday is our schedule. So Thursday we do get back in the weight room kind of as a recovery lift after the, after the game. And then on Friday, because we don't have, academics. Um, our practices will rotate and, and sometimes we'll go at nine in the morning or 11 in the morning or one. So so we're done at a nice time on Friday. It gives them a little bit more recovery time before Saturday's game. Um, and then Sunday is typically our off day. We do have a couple weekends where we go either like Friday, Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, just trying to simulate. Our goal is to to win the conference. And if you win the conference and you're in the NCAA tournament, the format of the first weekend is Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday. So we do try to simulate that just so that they have an understanding of what that might look like in terms of physically the demands on them. So to play back to back is, is is a lot. And so we don't do it every weekend, but we definitely sprinkle a few in just to kind of give them a, Hey, this is what it could look like in November.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the the team, you know, well, let's talk about roster size. Is there a roster size you feel is ideal that you try to hit each year? Yeah. That's
1: another popular question now, certainly coming out of COVID. I think that our, our roster has swollen a little bit higher than what I would typically uh, have, but we're still in a situation through the, through the 24 year of having kids. Are they, are they coming back? Are you going to use your year? Um, and then, you, you know, graduate, graduate transfers, reaching out, stuff like that. So So we, we had 33 on the roster for the 2022 season. Um, We have 31 projected for the fall of uh, 23 and pre COVID. I think the roster size on average was, you know, 26 to 28, 29, maybe. We like to try to have three to four GKs, um, you know, and uh, that, you know, even with that, sometimes you get an injury of a GK and now, you got a field player as your backup to the backup, which is never a good situation. So uh but that's kind of how we how we shape the roster. And you know, you just never know. Like last year we thought we were gonna have eight kids graduating and then three kids had, had taken extra classes during COVID and decided that they were ready for the real world. So we had eleven graduate. So the the roster issue is is just such a challenge as well, because you never know the kids coming back from surgery we had three kids have surgery this past off season how are they going to be are they going to re- fully recover from that surgery and then how to you know so so the so the number on the roster doesn't always indicate who actually can participate um and uh so it, it is a little bit uh a little bit tricky um you know i know i have some peers that have 35 plus on their rosters you know and it's just uh Um, some of that is driven by admissions or a college philosophy, but I just, I think there's a certain point at which it it becomes hard to, to run an effective training session.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, what about, uh, your staff? How big is it? Who, uh, who do you have? What, uh, what roles do they play? Is there other athletic department support staff that help with the team? What's that look like?
1: Yeah, so for the past couple of years, I've had I've always had at least one assistant. Um, there was a time where I had two. The, the second assistant sometimes was a volunteer. That's what that's what I've had most recently. That that juggling act of you know assistant coaches that are part time. We don't have the the good fortune of having a full time assistant coach. So you know it's it's really a matter of uh, you know when when can they be there trying to coordinate when when they're both there versus just one and then what are we trying to accomplish on that given day more often than not my assistant coach johan uh he's been with me since i got the job in 2015 he's he's at 95 percent of of everything and he's you know in florida recruiting and, and doing you know everything that um you would want an assistant coach to do um and, and it's just a matter of you know his availability so um so that's kind of how the staff works i mean i i I'm a big believer in, you know, give the assistant coach as much responsibility as they want and and, and see how they do. And then also it prepares them if in fact, they wanted to, to, to go on to that next step, becoming a head coach. Um, Some of my assistants don't want that. um, And they just like, like the role they're in and and have a full-time job elsewhere. So that's kind of how, how I have it now um in the past you know I've I've had assistant coaches go on to be head coaches elsewhere stuff like that so
0: okay well how would you describe your style of coaching and, and the team style of play
1: yeah so first and foremost I think the style of play is is definitely possession based if, if, if we're doing well the balls on the ground um moving side to side obviously here and there balls are going to get flighted in for service or clearance you know but um we really like to attack. Um, we, we have 80 schools in the, in the region last year, we led the region in scoring with 85 goals. Um, we've been in the top three in scoring in each of the last three years. And, um, you know, so I just, we play a four, three, three for the most part, and just try to get everybody into the attack. Um, and, and that's why, as we mentioned beforehand with the versatility and recruiting, you know, you just never know where you might end up because, A forward might struggle at the collegiate level but she becomes a great outside back because she has that mentality to go forward um, and and just needs the field in front of her a little bit whatever that might look like but um, in terms of my coaching style I mean this fall will be my 28th year as a head coach Um, and certainly I've changed over the years but I definitely I feel like my role is to to help the players get better and accomplish things that they might not have thought that they could, you know, by having a certain standard, um, definitely intense. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do certain things <clears throat> and to do them well, and we're going to rehearse them. We're going to do the review on the film. We're going to review things on the, on the dry race board and, 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 and then also do walkthrough type of stuff so that you're, you're prepared, you understand it. And then it's a matter of me, creating the environment to get the repetitions so that you can get better at what we're asking you to do. We do it. We do a fair amount of position specific training, which a lot of our players really enjoy because they have typically gone to club practice or high school practice. And it's been the whole unit doing the same thing over and over again. And my philosophy is a defender might not be in the final third very often. So why are we going to give them 25 repetitions that the midfielders and the forwards could benefit more from you know what I mean, and so we'll we'll oftentimes split split our uh, our groups up positionally, um, and and do some twenty to thirty minutes of you know position specific training in the area that they're going to be you know whether it's you know GKs and defenders breaking it out, midfielder working on combos, forwards you know working on finishes or final service runs stuff like that. So, um, but that's that's my belief. I've just gotten to the point where. Um, I think they have to get more repetitions because so many clubs today, like I I haven't coached club in a while, but it's you know, two to three teams on a field for practice, so they never get to do anything big field. You know what I mean? And and that and just like doesn't do but anybody any good because now now they have no idea how to how to deal with the space they were really good at doing what they were trying to do in a third of the field and then you get to the big big picture and it's like wow there's just a lot more space so we do a fair amount of 11 v 11 stuff as well just because that's the game and we also want our players to be going at each other in that full field environment so um last year we had the offensive player of the year and the defensive player in the conference and i'll oftentimes put them on opposite sides. So they're both challenging each other to get better. If if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's great. I know. I know. I wish we had the, uh, the wherewithal to train on a full field for our yeah. club too. Uh, yeah. so, some get it, some don't. It's, it can be challenging. That's for sure. But well, coach, we've covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate your time. going to ask you one last question. And that's if you had one piece of advice, one nugget to share with anybody, parents, players going through this college recruiting process, what would you want to let them know?
1: I just think you gotta be an advocate for yourself and, and you gotta realize that um, you know, this is a huge decision. I I have two adult children who both went through the process, and you know, I experienced everything that you can experience as a parent that we talk about as a coach from from the injured athlete to the head coach leaving the school that you committed to, to the decision to transfer. Um, and, and so I just think that no matter no matter what decision you make, you it, you still might have second thoughts. So be as thorough as possible. Like I always encourage people to to go to as many visits as possible and to ask ask the tough questions. Put the coach on the spot. Ask the questions that that are relevant to you, and be prepared when you do meet with coaches so that you can ask those questions um, and and find out like what your role might be or what how do that how does that staff envision you helping, helping the program. Cause um, four years is a long time. And it's a, it's a big decision. It's, it's not something that should be taken lightly and, and just uh, I always tell recruits, you know, you need to let us know everything you're doing in terms of because you just never know. Like I've, I've gone to visit family for something in New Jersey and there's a kid playing an hour away and I pop out and, and, and go watch that or, you know what I mean? And, and just, Every opportunity is is an opportunity to to continue to be seen to um, continue to provide that information to the coaches that you're interested in, so that they know what's going on. And then, lastly, the biggest thing I and I say this as well: not everyone's coming to Johnson and Wales. And if you're not interested, let me know. And it, it's not the end of the world. Um, we're going to move on. You're going to move on. And so, be upfront and honest because stringing a college coach along is 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 not advantageous for anyone and, and and likewise ask the questions to find out if the college coach is stringing you along, you know what I mean? And, and so it's a two way street. Um, and oftentimes I, uh, you know, I know based on the recruits answer about certain schools that they're looking at, that they're not really being recruited, but they don't know it, but I'm not going to be the one to tell them that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand. So, <laughs> awesome well coach really appreciate it wish you the best of luck in the fall and, uh, and the next time you get down to any of the Bradenton area uh recruiting events give me a shout and we'll get together all right sounds great man I appreciate the time thanks thank you